In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Dear faithful, celebrating this external solemnity of the Feast of Our Lady's Purification today, I would like to speak to you about humility and a lot about obedience. Oh great, I can hear you thinking already, some of you, a sermon on obedience. What does that have to do with our lives? We're not religious. Well, it's true. Holy obedience is principally for religious. It is for priests who have to obey their superiors. But obedience is for everyone else as well. Children have to obey their parents. Wives have to obey their husbands. Workers have to obey their bosses. We all have to obey. And finally, we all have to obey God. First and foremost, we have to obey God. Because we know that man's laws, which are in themselves, law is in and of itself a good, it is an ordination of the reason in view of the common good. Men are weak, they are sinners. Sometimes their laws are at variance with and in contradiction to God's law. So I would ask you to keep that in mind. And St. Francis de Sales, who I will quote, quote at length in this sermon, we must start out by saying that he sees in the purification of Our Lady a wonderful instance of and lesson in humility. For our saint teaches us that humility, when it, when it is practiced by what he calls the little people, is of no great thing, nor is an abasement of much importance, nor is this an abasement of much importance in comparison with that of what he calls giants. This saint so often relies upon comparisons to the natural world, and so he does here. He says that cats, rats, and other animals of, of, like this, which almost crawl upon the earth, have no great difficulty in rising again when they have fallen or when they have dropped to the ground. But elephants, on the other hand, once they have lowered themselves or fallen, they have very great trouble in rising again and getting back on their feet. Similarly, it is no great thing to see the likes of us, human beings, abase ourselves, humble ourselves. We who are only nothings, really, made from nothing. We who deserve only abjection and humiliation, but the humiliations of our dear Savior and the Sacred Virgin, these who are like giants of incomparable magnificence and eminence, their humblings, their humiliations are of inestimable value. From the first moment, from the moment they first humbled themselves, they persevered during the whole course of their lives in this state, and they never desired to rise again. For our Lord and his most blessed mother, in imitation of him, he humbled himself, obediently accepting even death, death on a cross. But the likes of us miserable creatures, all of us, who, 
like rats, cats, and other animals, little lowly animals of this sort, only crawl and, draw, and drag themselves along the ground, as soon as we have abased and humbled ourselves in some trifling circumstance, immediately we rise up again and we become haughty. We become prideful, thinking that we have done something to be esteemed, something good and lasting. We are impurity itself, and we desire that, desire that others believe us to be pure and holy. Our Lady, on the other hand, who never sinned, Our Lady was nevertheless willing to be accounted a sinner. Our Blessed Mother was by no means a daughter of Eve according to the Spirit, only according to the blood, for she was never anything but extremely humble and lowly, as she herself says in her sacred canticle, the Lord has looked upon his servant in her loneliness. That is why all nations shall call me blessed. God looked upon her littleness and her lowliness, but it is, it is precisely in this that we recognize still, her still more profound and sincere humility. I am, she says, his servant. We are taught by our divine master of the esteem that we ought to have for most holy humility, which has always been his well-beloved. And it is indeed, in a certain sense, the whole edifice of our perfection. The humility of our divine Savior and his most blessed mother was always accompanied by a perfect power over both of them so that they would have rather died than fail to obey. Our Lord died on the cross through obedience. And Our Lady, consider the remarkable acts of obedience that she made at the very hour of the death of her son, who was the heart of her heart. In no way whatsoever did she resist the will of the Heavenly Father. She, she rather remained firm and constant at the foot of the cross, completely submissive to the, to the divine good pleasure. We can use the same words of St. Paul for obedience as we have for humility. Our Lord became obedient to death, even to death on a cross. He never did anything, anything throughout his entire life except through obedience which he himself made known to us when he said, it is not to do my own will that I have come down from heaven, but to do the will of him who sent me. Therefore, always and in all things, he looked to the will of his heavenly Father in order to follow it, and not for a time, but always and unto death. As to Our Lady, let us consider the whole course of her life. You will find there nothing but obedience. She esteemed this virtue so much, though, so much that although she had made a vow, excuse me, although she had made a vow of virginity, she nevertheless submitted to be given over to a man in marriage. Even afterwards, she persevered in obedience, as we see today. She comes to the temple to obey the law of the purification, even though there was no necessity for her to observe it, nor for her son either. Her obedience was purely voluntary, and it was not less because it was voluntary and unnecessary. She so dearly loved this virtue, which her sacred son 
had engrafted into her as a, divi- as a divine graft on the trunk of holy humility. We do not find in the gospel that she spoke except at the marriage feast of Cana in Galilee, when she said, Do whatever my son tells you, thus preaching the observance of obedience. This virtue is the inseparable companion of humility. One is never found without the other, for humility makes us submit to obedience. Our Lady was not, was not afraid of disobeying because She was in no way obliged to the law, which was made not for her or for her son. Rather, she feared the shadow of disobedience. For for though she, being all pure, had no need of being purified, if she had not come to the temple to offer our Lord and to be purified, there could have been found those who would wish to investigate her life in order to find out why she had not done as the rest of women. Thus, she comes today to the temple to remove all suspicion from men who might have wondered about her. She comes also to show us that we ought not to be satisfied with just avoiding sin, but that we must avoid even the shadow of sin. Neither must we stop at the resolution we make not to commit such and such a sin, rather, we must fly even from the occasions which could serve as a temptation to fall into it. She teaches us also not to be satisfied with the testimony of a good conscience, but to take care to remove every suspicion in others that will render them less than edified by us or by our conduct. So let us take care during the coming holy season of Lent, coming upon us very soon, only three weeks away from today, to remember our littleness before God, we whom he has created from nothing. We so often fall into the customary snares of our pride, puffing ourselves up like a blowfish, only to burst at the slightest pinprick of humiliation. Let us remember rather the example of our blessed mother and our Lord, our Blessed Mother, who humbled herself in going up to the temple on the day of her purification, remembering the words she had spoken on the day of the Annunciation made to her. He hath regarded the the humility of his handmaid. For For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.